All right, we are rolling now. What? Counting what? us down. Oh no, man! Doubt. Three, oh, two. Doubts creeping in. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael. And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we listen and we share <laughs> different. This <laughs> immediately is just you just crash the plane. Like, I said I was rusty. You're like, let me take over. I got it. And you run up there and you just push down on the controls. <laughs> uh, uh, so what do we do? We. Uh, introduce each other to different media, whether it be music, movies, television, books, spoken word, experiences. We take these things that have built us up as people. We introduce it to you, the audience, and each other, and we reflect on it. One would say we are the retrospective that's introspective. And one did. Hell yeah. Uh, today we are talking about the concept album slash musical by uh, Anais Mitchell called Hades Town. Um, and so I am introducing this to Lex Michael. Mm. Uh, if you need a little bit of background, uh, in 2010, Anais Mitchell made what would be described by her as a DIY, like little music project that she would do in her basement. Um, well, I guess that was in 2007. In 2010, they made an actual album, uh, and the album had a bunch of like, really big stars in it. It had Ani DeFranco. It had um, uh, Justin, Justin Vernon, Vernon from, from Bon Iver. Iver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it had Greg Brown, uh, the Hayden triplets, uh, Ben Knox Miller, um, and Anais herself as uh, Eurydice's. So the story of the album was a retelling of the age-old tale of Orpheus and Eurydice's, and Orpheus, also known as like Orpheus in the Underworld. Um and so then later, uh, around 2016, uh, Anais teamed up with a uh, with a director for musicals, and they decided to turn the concept album into an actual stage musical. Um, and then they did a live recording in 2017, uh, and that is kind of what we're talking about here. So we'll be talking about both the concept album and the musical version. Um, so Lex, what was your first impression, baby? This is, this is a, is a cool thing. My first impression, I put it on it cause I had no idea what to expect because you told me, you gave me a real, real quick outline. Uh, the other, actually when you, when you invited me into your home uh, on Christmas day, mm-hmm. there was no room at the end, but you, you let me into the manger as it were. And on that day you, you threw this idea at me. You're like, Hey, I want to talk about this. And I was like, Oh, what is that? And you're like, it's this thing. And I'm like, great. And I immediately went home and forgot what you told me. Yeah. So I threw it on, not having any expectations whatsoever. And immediately I'm like, Oh, this is really, it's a really interesting, very folksy way to approach telling this story. There were a bunch of songs in this album that sort of reminded me of Tom Waits. Mm-hmm. Like Hermes uh, to me sounded a lot like a, like a young Tom Waits who had not had as much whiskey yeah. And had smoked fewer cigarettes, had not <laughs> had the time to wear the voice box out quite as fully, but the same uh, similar sound to me. Yeah. But a lot of different a lot of different elements that I thought were really interesting together and created an experience that is unlike other other musical stories that I've I've 
seen or heard presented, but also I thought it was really cool. Like I didn't realize that it was about the myth of um, Orpheus and Eurydice. So hearing that story retold through this prism with this music, I thought was really, really interesting. Yeah. And I dug it. Right. And so like the, the original concept album was described as a, a folk opera. Um, and I think it, in, it was originally inspired before the experiment in her basement um Anais wrote a that sounds uh, ominous <laughs> yes where lightning and frankenstein's monsters yeah. came about um also that that's a good name for a band the experiment in the basement Ooh. Tar- tari j and the experiments in the basement hell yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be all bad. It'll be all, it's, so, it's good. so good. Um, it's all going to be so great. It's going to be like a, a folksy electronic hip hop polka. Oh yeah. Uh, country it's going to be band. some opera too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's gotta be big, big operatic influence. Oh yeah. Um, and a lot of duck sounds for some reason. Like, you know, it's going to be make quackers. Those... What? <laughs> it's going to be quackers. What does that mean? It's like, it's like, it's like crackers, which is also like crazy. But it's a pun because we talked about... Yes! I've never heard this. Okay. I swear to you, I've never heard this. Go to this. Britain more. Oh, I believe you. Yeah. I be- I have no reason to doubt. I, I swear to you, I've never heard this. <laughs> That's crackers. Like like bonkers? It's yeah. the same? It's interchangeable? Right. Crazy? I've never heard yeah. this. Or that person's crackers. Like, crazy. I've never once. Never. Yeah. I like it. You should use I it. I want to fold it into my vernacular now. As you should. You've enlightened me. That's what I do. You've expanded my. I'm here for. Yeah, I didn't come here today expecting to have my horizons expanded, and yet I find myself in the most jubilant of (laughs) positions, having been uh, gifted with knowledge. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Um, What were we talking about? Yeah, we were talking about how um, before this, uh, there was an album that Anais put out um, that had some of the songs from. Uh, that became Hades Town. Specifically, "Why We Build the Wall" was a solo song with Anais just doing the the call and repeat pieces, um, and then it became the uh, the larger call and repeat from Hades Town. And then it became when it got to the musical, it became like a a very big layered chant to to rally up the troops of Hades Town itself. Yeah. Um, so like, it's really interesting, especially for me seeing the evolution of how these songs have been performed, just knowing, especially knowing that it's almost like a 10 year process of evolving from, I guess over 10 years, um, evolving from just one person's like fun little DOI passion project to something that is going to be on Broadway in March, which is insane. Uh, wait, this coming March? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, that's what I'm here for. I'm dropping knowledge, sounds baby. Like, sounds like a good show. What do you know about, uh, do you know anything about the visual aesthetic of the show? Yes. Um, so we're going to get so, to that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about it now. Okay. All right. So, we're, we're here. We got there here. so fast. Yep. That's how it works. It was like it was like the one time where I'm like, Ugh, are we there yet? And you're like, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it. Um, so the, the visual aesthetic is um, depression era-esque. Um, with a little bit of down south New Orleans vibe to it, um, because they wanted to match the feel. Because when the original concept album was created, it was the visual uh, idea was that Hades was a uh, a factory owner 
in Depression era, and that's why these people were so seduced into coming to work for him, and that there is no work anywhere else, um, and he's providing this, like, toiling work that everyone can do, but it's it's essentially a death sentence. Right. Um, and so they kind of keep that, but they, they give it a more of a, a jazzy, peppy feel, um, especially when you are in the uh, the overworld. Yep, that's what I'm going to call it. Oh, okay. Um, above like ground, um, as opposed it? to, so when you get to the underworld, right. it gets more industrial because he's essentially made a, a metropolis, or as she calls it, a necropolis. Isn't, uh, isn't the overworld just the world? Or is I that mean, being overly from one perspective? Right, is that just being overly egocentric? Yeah, right. Like assuming the Earth must be the center of all creation. Yeah. All right. Because like I see the error of my ways. I retract my previous. Good. Thank you. My previous question is it was foolish, <laughs> and I apologize to anybody who I may have offended. Thank you. <laughs> I'm from the underworld. You motherfucker. <laughs> you just like get real close, and you're like, I heard what you said. Uh, um, uncomfortable. <laughs> So um, just talking about a little bit of the differences between the concept album and the uh, the musical version, like the live version. Yeah. Um, there are in in the musical itself, it has all of the songs from the concept album, plus like the original songs made specifically for the musical. Yes. Um, like chant, chant one and all that stuff. Um, but on the live recording album, they had to keep it to one disc. And so they chose mostly the the songs that one would push the narrative and two would um, were newer. So like if you want to listen to the old songs that were on the concept album, you can go listen to those. But they want the newer original tracks on the live recording because like that's a new experience. Right. Um, and which made some people mad. Um, but fuck those people. Eat a dick. Other people. Eat a dick. You feel differently than I do. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, no, but there, yeah, I could see that happening. There are yeah. a lot of a lot of purists, especially in the world of musical theater. Right. Um, which I am not. I I actually really liked being able to sit down with the the live version and like it, it keeps enough of the story to where like you could listen to it in one sitting and know like where each of the characters are going, what their perspective is from beginning to end, and the way that it begins and ends with road to hell is a really good way of creating that circle. Right. Um, whereas like in the, in, in the full version, there's like a little bit of uh, stuff before the road to hell. And then there's one song afterwards, which is like, which is the song that's included on the concept album, which is uh, a raise a glass to him uh, by Persephone. Mm -hmm. um, but I really liked that the, the bookends of road to hell just because it it introduces the whole idea of the show, which is like it's a it's an old song, it's a tragedy. We sing it over and over again. We're gonna keep singing it even though it's sad, right? Um, and then at the end, like when the tragedy happens, uh -huh. they're like like it's it's almost verbatim the same exact lyrics, but just in a more solemn tone because you get to that tragedy and you feel it. But then like it once the the track starts over or this the album starts over, like it starts. Real big again because you're gonna keep singing that song even though it's sad. There's always something to be learned, right? Which and it I just really keeps like. keeps eating its tail. Yeah, feeding into it. Uh, all this has happened before, and all this will happen again. Right. Uh, the Cylons were created by man. Uh, they evolved. They rebelled. They they look like people. They have a plan. Yep. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> 
You, you've seen that show, right? I have, yes. Yeah, yeah. I was going to see how far you were going to go. <laughs> this is the Admiral. <laughs> <laughs> Trade us contact. Uh, anyway. But yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? Here's my, my big, if I had to complain about one element of Hades Town, not enough Dreda's contact. Mm, that's true. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yep. Um, uh, oh, <laughs> you reminded me. So the, um, no, that um, reminded you of something potentially relevant. Nope. I was just <laughs> skirting back and putting us in. I was just <laughs> rolling it in. Um, <laughs> Um, but you were talking about Hades, how he reminds you of Tom Waits a bit. Um, um, uh, Hermes, actually. Yes. More than Hades. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hermes reminds you of Tom Waits a bit. Um, I So I had, before um, listening to the live version, I had uh, done, I, I'd watched these little featurettes. And they were, I guess, specifically about the uh, the show coming to Broadway, not necessarily the show that um, w- that they used for the live album. And so the person I thought was Hermes was a different person than it actually was. And I was like, yeah, 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 that voice goes definitely with, with that person who is going to be playing him on the stage, um, who's like this old, like, cool-looking black dude. And I was like, yeah, 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 that's, that's that voice, bruh. Yeah. And then I was doing research, um, and it turned out to be the guy who plays Taserface, <laughs> uh, Chris Sullivan is the the Hermes from the live edition. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. It is. I because I I don't I I've seen him in a bunch of different stuff, and it didn't like it didn't register that that could be that voice could go with that person, right? Um, but like that just says so much towards how versatile he is. Um. Because it's and I've I've seen a little I've tried to watch a little bit of the footage and he like he gets it he gets it um, so I dig it. Is there uh, is there anybody else in the live version I might know? Um, I don't know. Uh, Patrick Page, who was uh, Frollo in the um, in the Hunchback of Notre Dame musical that I made you listen to. You did, yeah. That guy was a dick. He was. And he also plays a dick in the same guy. He was so mean to everybody. Yeah, he's Hades. Oh. Yeah. Not very nice. No. That's his type. His type is playing gentlemen who are not particularly friendly. <laughs> who may, in fact, not have your best interest at heart and will approach their their approaches in duplicitous ways. Yes. Though, like, uh, I really, I really liked this depiction of Hades. Um, the, it's, it's part of what really, so if the way I got into this album is because I one day was listening to, uh, I was listening to some musical on some platform. It may have been, um, Pandora or Spotify something, um, years ago. And you know how they'd be like, you know how you want to listen to that one album? We're going to give you other songs. Um, and so one of the songs that they gave me... It's like Pippin again? <laughs> it's always Pippin or the Scarlet Pumpernel. <laughs> um, but uh, they gave me How Long from the original uh, concept album. And I was like, this is dope. Like The way that, uh, one, I was just so fascinated with uh, Hades' voice, Greg's, Greg Brown's... like texture in his voice is Hades yeah. is really good. Um, and then him 
and uh, Ani DeFranco going back and forth in that song was so like engaging and interesting that like I be- just became obsessed with it. Um, and then later I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to this whole album. Um, and then around 2016, um, I don't know if you know this, but our president is obsessed with building a wall. So I was, I was um, a little bit flabbergasted when you told me that, uh, this song was written about a decade ago. Yeah. Because. Yep. Because yeah, there's because, a song yeah. uh, called why we build the wall, um, which is specifically about Hades, um, rallying people around, um, like the, the work that he gives everyone is building this wall around Hades town. Uh, and the way that he gets people to do it is by this circular logic of we build it because it keeps us free and it keeps us free because it keeps out the enemy and the enemy is poverty and uh, they want what they have, but what they have is building the wall itself. And so it, it is also like a snake feeding its own tail in that like, uh, they're building the wall to keep people out, but like people, the people trying to get in are trying to build the wall. So it doesn't necessarily make any sense, but it's just enough to brainwash the people below him. Um, and so I got also obsessed with the, why we built the wall because it was so weirdly specific to current, uh, political, uh, let's, the say, let's say the discourse, the discourse. Um, so that also kind of really like sucked me in. It's incredible for a song that was written about a decade ago. It is incredible how much it feels like a very, very specifically written as a response to things that are yeah. happening now. Um, which, which too, like it's unsettling to me how we keep recycling the same conversations and the same problems over and over and over again. Like yeah. as a, as a culture, as a country, uh, we keep, we're still dealing with problems, the same problems, many of the same problems that we've been dealing with for decades and decades and decades and decades and decades. And so many people having the exact same conversations. Right. So I guess it stands to reason that this, this particular topic might also be one that carries over across years it's very saddening yeah i mean and when uh anais mitchell talks about it um anais it doesn't matter um when she talks about it she what she's also kind of saying the same thing but the way that she describes it is that hades himself is an archetype uh like an archetype of fascism itself and that concept has been the main like driver behind all of those repeating uh, instances, you know, like we got the Berlin wall, we got the, the, like all, all these things of like people trying to maintain control um, through their power, through fear, through like all these different things. Um, It will always exist in some way, shape or form. So this like idea will always resonate in some way, even if it's not necessarily on a national level, it still could be on a personal level. Because, like, the walls we build aren't necessarily the ones that are physical, but could be the mental walls, which are the ones that are keeping the people working. Right. Because, um, like, it also, like, one of the themes in Town is this idea that, like, these people building the wall are doing it because it keeps them, like, financially secure. Mm-hmm. Um, That's sweet economic insecurity. Right. The sweet, it's delicious. Ooh. I don't, I don't fill my glass with it but i use it as like a little garnish on my drink Ooh, good it's like bitters yes 
Yeah. It's just like that. <laughs> it's just like that. Um, but yeah, so they use it, uh, but it's also this thing where they are they never stop working. And so they don't really, they, they are getting these wages for building this wall, but they never have the opportunity to use it or uh, or even really enjoy it because they're always toiling away on this wall, which is like this Sisyphusian task, which never ends. Like they even say like the war never ends. They never stop building the wall. And so it'll only keep growing as more people come through, um, which is also you could, you, if you are a person working in like the the like most job sectors. industry yeah, yeah. the job industry in the yes. job most, industry most most of them um, yeah it might sound familiar to you yeah especially in like american culture where we do work a lot and there's a lot of like expectations put on us to to work there's a, there's a lot of emphasis on working really hard just for the sake of working really hard right um so like it's only i feel like it's only been in the last decade or so that like the idea of a work-life balance has been a real factor and something that people have been pushing for um and so and and that's the 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 trapping that people have fallen into uh over the over the last long times um the last long times uh, <laughs> i don't know why that happened um but uh the uh this idea that like even if even if you work day and night like 80 hours a day like and you make all this money none of the not any amount of money in the world can necessarily bring you the things that will fulfill you right um and that's like a big huge theme in the play itself um especially we get with the the parallels of the relationship with hades and persephone and um orpheus and eurydice yeah so i guess on that note we should probably talk about the the actual story of the musical of the album yes. um, in case people are not necessarily familiar with the myth that is the basis of this story. Yes, of course. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's like I watched your fingernails get long as you pulled out a very old book and began to turn through it. Um, so the original story, uh, Eurydice, the son of Apollo, great at songs. Uh, he falls in love with, uh, what did I say? I'm bad with names. That's Everyone right. knows it. That's all right. We'll, um, we'll cut Orpheus. this part out. No, we and, won't. It'll and, all stay. And your shame will remain a closely guarded <laughs> secret. Um, so, yeah. Orpheus. You were, look, it was 50-50, and you made a guess, and <laughs> the odds just weren't with you today. Nope. May the odds ever be in your favor. I watched your fingernails grow like an inch longer just then. <laughs> and, like, you're, you're mincing your fingers now, which is super weird. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just cool. Long nails are tight. They're in. There's like you're holding these later. You're holding them just far away from the mic that people can't hear the little clicky sound. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I have good mic technique. Uh, it's all about making sure to cut out all excess thing. They just need to hear the sound of my voice. Um, but so Orpheus. Orpheus, uh, son of Apollo, uh, great musician. Learn uh, like he essentially falls in love with Eurydice, uh, and she in the original myth she. It, it varies how it happens, but she gets bitten by a snake. She dies. Uh, and then Orpheus decides to go to the underworld and retrieve her. Uh, he meets with Hades and Hades is like, yo, son, you can take her, but you can't look back as she's following you out of the underworld. And then uh, like an idiot, he looks back and she gets pulled into the underworld forever. Oof. And then he's doomed to... 
uh, sing his sorrows for the rest of his life. Um, and, de- and depending on the version, um, he sings a song and then uh, either Zeus strikes him down because he's tired of hearing it or he <laughs> is um, eaten by animals. Uh, and then there's another version where the gods take his head so that he could sing uh, for them forever, which is weird. Cause like his whole thing was, he was singing to be reunited with his love. And now right. he's a head that has to do stuff for people. Um, uh, I'd like the idea though, that he's singing for all the gods, but Zeus doesn't like it still. <laughs> so like the other gods are listening to it and Zeus is in the other room. It's like, turn that down. <laughs> it's always sad songs. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the original version. In in the Hades Town version, um, it modernizes it a bit, uh, especially because if you are familiar with the story of Hades and Persephone, you know that he essentially kidnaps her uh, and takes her to the underworld against her will and forces him to be her wife, or forces him to be first, but, and forces her to be his wife. Uh, a forced um, marriage. Yes. There we go. You, it was 50-50. Okay. You, t- you took a guess, and the odds just were not with you. Maybe. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and in this one, uh, the way the story goes is that Hades Sarah, uh, Hades finds Persephone in her mother's garden um, and is instantly instantly falls in love with her and begs her to be his wife and they have sex in the garden. Um, they don't use the word sex in the thing. They just go, we didn't need a wedding bed. We did it right there in the flower bed. Aw, yeah. Skeet, skeet, skeet. Um, that is, those are the lyrics. Yeah. Um, and so, and in this one, um, uh, Eurydice doesn't get bitten by a snake, but she actively chooses to go to the underworld because... Her her material needs aren't necessarily being met by yes. um, by Orpheus. She is seduced by the promise of a whole bunch of stuff. Yep. Um, while Orpheus is out singing his songs, and so then Orpheus decides to go back, and uh, essentially he sings to Hades to to soften his heart, and Hades has to make a, a decision. Uh, which is kind of a double-edged sword and that like if he lets him go, he is seen as a uh, as like a, a weak king and people will revolt. If he um, crushes him, then the guy will be a martyr and it'll also start a riot. So he decides to trick him by letting him go um, with this promise of letting Eurydice follow him. Uh, but he knows that doubt will essentially be his undoing right and at the end of the story just like in uh in the original right he turns he allows that he confronts it with imperfect courage as it were and he turns around and she disappears but i like the idea that in this version right it's it's because of the way she ends up in hell uh, in the first place a lot of his doubt stems from the fact it's like well she she's into stuff man like she's super into stuff yeah and like what if she's more into stuff than she's into me Right. Oh, shit. I better check in with her to make sure that she's not more into... Oh, where'd she go? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really like... Because when you... Uh, just talking about the, the musical thematics, um, we get this the first song between Orpheus and Eurydice where he's essentially promising her all these things. He's like, I'm going to sing you all these songs and the world will provide for us. Um, and later, 
after she leaves, we get the song, which is Promises, which is them essentially having a really adult conversation, talking about the things that they promised each other, which was like, he promised her that the world would provide and it didn't. And she promised that she would stay and she didn't. And so like you get them realizing that they both made mistakes and having to figure out if they are willing to move forward together, both literally and metaphorically. Right. Um, and they, they make this decision, but like there, there always will be this, this doubt in both of their minds because uh, even though Orpheus is moving forward, he can't hear her. Um, and so like, it's, it's this long journey where you allow your own thoughts to be your own, do your undoing, which is what happens in a lot of relationships. Yes. I think that's, uh, relatable. <laughs> Hashtag relatable. Everyone, everyone been there. Yeah. Everyone's been like, maybe they're more into stuff than <laughs> they are into me. Um, I better check in with the other oh, gone. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I also like that the the way that the story is told it parallels. Um, it uses that story to parallel um, Hades and Persephone's relationship, in which um, Persephone isn't into stuff. Which, but Hades is um, all about giving her these things in order to try to keep her around. Um, the, the arrangement that they have is that Persephone leaves every spring and summer and comes back for the fall and winter. Um, and there's a really like, in, like, even though Hades is a tyrant, there's like a really weird kernel of humanity in him. And that like, you get this, the song chant where she comes back to the underworld and she's like, why is it so hot? And he, he talks about how he is, he made this foundry um, and essentially built up this town and he made an electrical grid to make it bright. And it, it's, you get the idea that he is essentially trying to make the underworld match what she finds so appealing about the outside world, but he doesn't necessarily know how to do it without just like throwing things at her. Right. Um, which I think is, it's almost sweet in a way um, because it's, it's like a love languages thing. It's just um, very misguided. It is. Um, and so like, I, I find it really interesting the way that they portray Hades as this dude who like was originally a, a man with nothing who had this love and he became so, so fixated on keeping it that like he lost what originally allowed him to have it. Um, just the, the layering of that person and the, like you get a lot of it in chant number two, where he's talking to Orpheus and he's like, look, if you want a girl to stick around, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep her chained with gold stuff. and you gotta fill her pockets with stones. Just give her all this stuff yeah. so she'll like you. <laughs> Seduce her with stuff. Mm -hmm. That's what you need, guys. That's what you need. Cause like. Orpheus doesn't end up with the girl at the end. That's true. It's because he doesn't Hades. have the stuff. It's because Hades has all the stuff. It's true. And nothing seduces like stuff. <laughs> That's the lesson. No. Hades is like, look at my shit. Look at my shit. <laughs> and they're all like, okay. Yeah. He's in um, charge. I guess I have to. <laughs> Put your dick away. <laughs> Um, no, no. <laughs> I'm the boss. Me. Uh, um, oh, speaking of musical parallels, sure. Um, I'm I'm 
I don't know if you can tell, but I like this. I like I like it. I know there's been a lot of so far in this uh, in this episode. There's been a lot of me going, mm-hmm, right? Like yeah. I've said, uh-huh, right? A, yeah, a lot in this conversation. It's because you are clearly so into this, and I'm just really like I'm in rapture, and I'm just like, sure, man, take me on this journey. You're just you're going. You're driving the carriage, and I'm just I'm here. I'm along for the ride. I'm, okay. I'm soaking it in. Yeah, I'm looking at the beautiful vistas. Mm-hmm. You're like take all this stuff, and I'm like, I is this seduction? It is. Ooh, you get about to get some more stuff. <laughs> it's it's the it's the meme where I'm the I'm the boy and the butterfly is coming. Uh huh. And the butterfly is labeled stuff, and I'm going, is this seduction? <laughs> That's one of my favorite memes. I wonder, do people? You know how like memes now? I feel like memes have a shorter and shorter lifespan. Yeah. And I I feel like I actually haven't seen that one in a minute now. Like a year from now, are people going to understand what I'm talking about at all? Of course they are. If are anyone has the internet, they'll always know. Nah, man. Like I, I think, I think they're, it's gonna pass. I think it's gonna be, it's gonna tear. We're gonna tears in the rain. That meme. No, memes are forever. So memes, memes are the only. The memes will live on after the bombs. Right. It's like, just gonna be cockroaches and memes. Yeah, the cockroaches are gonna like start painting memes on the walls, um, and the rats are gonna be like, yeah. That's the sound that rats make. If you're unfamiliar with rats. Uh, they all go cool, like favorite. Um, so Hades Town, um, yes. Musical parallels. Um, the the song chant and wedding song. Wedding song is one of the first songs um, on the album. It is uh, where uh, Orpheus is promising Eurydice, and uh, chant is the first like the first song between Hades and Persephone and they are musically the same in terms of their rhyme scheme. So like the way that um, essentially when Eurydice is like lover, tell me if you can, who's going to blah, 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 the wedding bed. And essentially uh, Orpheus starts with lover, et cetera, et cetera. And explains it to her is the same way that, um, Persephone starts and she says in the coldest time of year, why is it so hot down here? Um, and the same way that Hades starts with lover, blah, 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 blah. Um, so the, it's another parallel that they're drawing, but it's musically what I'm still stuck on. Who's going to blah, blah, the wedding bed, which sounds <laughs> like the name of like a 1950s French farce. <laughs> yeah. It, it played in a couple of theaters. Everyone was like, eh. Yeah. It was we, they actually never answered the question. Best. I don't know. I got to the end of the story. I don't know who blah blah is the wedding bed. I feel like that's a problem. No, it's for you to interpret. I don't have to answer all the questions that you have. But you know how angry and frightened ambiguity makes people? I do, but I'm not making it for them. <laughs> I'm making it for me. This is my eraser head. <laughs> Look at all of my stuff. <laughs> oh, wait, where'd she go? <laughs> Um, Lex, I guess. <laughs> what did you like about it? <laughs> about the who's gonna blah blah the wedding bed? No, just like the whole thing. Because you know I, that play is not real. It is. I just made it's, that up. A it's second real. Ago. <laughs> Tell me more about who's gonna blah blah the wedding bed. <laughs> like, all right, out of five stars, how many would you give it? The French farce? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm really into ambiguity and surrealism. So Uh I would say like a solid 
four. All right, I'll take that. Let's actually go. Let's go three, three, and and two thirds. Um, I would have <laughs> taken the four. We're gonna round that up to four. <laughs> well, uh, but but no. Uh, am I supposed to? Am I actually rating Hades Town or this artificial construct? You're, you're actually. I want you to talk about Hades Town. <laughs> um, I so I I I brought this because. I'm like, I need to talk about this. And then I was like, fuck it. I have a platform. I'm going to do it. And so, but now I guess I should give some room for other people to talk about things. I mean, no, what, what, <laughs> just this take is, it. This take is the, the stuff I have to give you. <laughs> I'm not Hades. This is what I have. Um, here's something. Okay. Here's something that I liked about it that isn't necessarily uh, based in the music. I, I'm a big uh, fan of figuring out uh, if art or a story has influenced other art or stories. I'm a big fan of trying to trace that back and figure out what the genesis point of it was. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm a fan of like, um, so there's this painting, right? And it's an image. I looked this, I'll actually look something up. Um, so there's a painting. Uh, it was painted in 1861 called Orpheus Leading Eurydice from the Underworld uh, by Jean-Baptiste Camille Corot. You can check this. Uh, look at that. It's uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's yeah. uh, Orpheus with a his little uh, his little instrument. His little, yeah, his little fancy little, little liar, little liar, uh, leading loot? Eurydice by the hand. No, isn't a loot uh, something that isn't this? Yeah, I think it's a liar. Yeah, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah. That feels right. Yeah, that feels correct because no, he specifically you could strum your liar. I set the world on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a so, liar. So it's a liar. So yeah. there, he's leading Eurydice out of the underworld through some trees by the hand, and his hand is outstretched behind him. Uh, I'm a big, I, I'm a fan of this painting, something about this image. I've been familiar with this image for quite some time, and something about it just it, it's burned into my head. Yeah. Um, this is another excuse for me to talk about Twin Peaks, too, uh, okay. which I know you're watching, so I can't spoil anything for you. But uh, very near the end of the third season, the one that aired last year, yeah, they pull this image and they do their own little riff on the Orpheus and Eurydice story, hmm. which I had I was aware of, but I forgot how appropriate it is like the the whole the idea of um. And of course, the way it plays out is very different. But the idea of being so close and confronting it with like imperfect courage, yeah. and then looking back and realizing that this person—that'll give you that much. Looking back and seeing that this person has suddenly vanished, has eluded your grasp completely. Yeah, but I can't spoil shit for you. I mean, I'm going to assume that uh, what you're saying is Dale Cooper is walking out of Twin Peaks, and the the murderer is right behind him. And then he's like, I'm going to give myself up as, as long as he makes it to his car and doesn't look back. And then uh, he turns around and the murderer is like, <laughs> you failed. Stabs him. <laughs> <laughs> stabs him and like, boom. Like, yeah. like in Candyman when the dude just goes backwards out the window and shatters it. <laughs> Have you seen Candyman? Yes. Cool. So you know what I'm talking oh, about. I do. You know that image is the greatest. One of the greatest images in cinema is Tony Todd crossing his arms over his torso and flying backwards out that window. <laughs> so it's like that. Yeah, of course. Just like that. Um, <laughs> He's like, Helen. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Yeah. So 
Man, you know it's a good movie, Candyman. I feel like <laughs> Candyman's underrated. Um, I mean, it's true, and it's gonna it's gonna be remade or a sequel is gonna be made oh, by that's Jordan right. Peele, right? Right, he's like producing. Yeah. I think he's producing. Uh, I believe so. I just watched Candyman again recently. I don't know. Uh, if that's it's good. at all clear. Uh, have you? Yeah, I have. Good. It's a good movie. It is. Um, that was my first or one of my first uh real horror movies that I watched. Oh. Um, it's really good. I, I, I feel like it's one of the more underrated horror movies of the '90s. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it isn't Hades Town, however. See, no. but like my thing is right now is like I like this a whole bunch, but you are so like in it, you know. So this whole time, I really have been sort of transfixed by you just throwing all this stuff <laughs> at the seduction yeah. of stuff. Um, so I I have. I don't know. I'm having a hard time further articulating my thoughts because I feel like you've already done such a good job sort of covering everything that tickled my brain. Yeah. I want to go back now because a lot of the songs, a lot of the tunes keep playing in my head. But I want to yeah. go back now and absorb the lyrics and more uh, more of the relationship details as well. But like I'm I dug it a whole bunch. Yeah. And it's the type of thing where I especially honestly like the. um the the original concept album i feel like you could just you could ignore the fact that it's telling you a linear story mm-hmm. and you could just throw it on and listen to it and it's a great piece of folk music oh yeah um i want what else has she done cuz i was like i was looking at a spotify and um itunes and i was seeing other albums but i'm not actually familiar with her work this would be my first exposure to it yeah so do you know like is it, a lot of her other stuff is it more concept stuff or is it Nope, it's all just uh, just songs. Like she's a song by songwriter by trade and a singer also by trade. Um, singer songwriter, right? By trade, right? Um, well, you know, it was fifty fifty, and you <laughs> took a shot, and <laughs> uh, and so yeah, um, I think that the the Hades Town was her first foray into like concept albums. Like most of her stuff is just her like performing. Yeah. Um, and then I think once she started, she had this idea and it like resonated with her. She wanted to do it like on a bigger scale with like collaborating with people that she liked and knew. Um, and then it just spiraled into something bigger than her itself. Okay. Yeah. Because this is a, it's a great sound. Yeah. Like I, it's a sound that I like a whole bunch. So like now my intention is to not only revisit this album or both versions of Hades Town, but also I want to check out her other stuff because mm-hmm. I, I dig this sound a whole bunch. Oh yeah, um, that I think is what because I listened to it all the way through when I was driving a long distance one day. I think I may have been going from L.A. to the Bay, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna like experience it in a linear fashion because like as I said, the first two songs. I heard were how long and why we built the wall, which like don't really convey the, the full uh, scope of the, the album, which has so many different, like, uh, like so many different, uh, I guess, musical variations and so much depth in terms of how the music intersects with one another. Um, Cause like even, even just like the parts with the Hayden triplets, um is really good like i had forgotten how good their harmonies were yeah um and just when they're doing the chips are down um that fucking that song is like big band and then you have like doubt comes in which is like a lot more simple um you have things that are like epic which is just a dude and a dude and a guitar 
Um, so it like varies so much that like even just listening to it uh, from start to finish, you get a, a whole variety of feelings um, just listening to the concept album. And then you add in the narrative aspect of the, the live and you're like, oh, my heart hurts. Yeah, and it is, as you were talking about earlier, a really interesting juxtaposition as well to listen to them. Like I did back to back, especially having never heard them before. Mm -hmm. It's because you get a taste of all of these elements on the concept album and then to see the ways in which they expand it and add flourishes. And and yes, entire songs, but also to the existing compositions, the way they tweak, adjust, make bigger. Uh, It's cool. Yeah. Um, Oh, oh, um, I really want to give a shout out to Amber Gray, who does Persephone, um, she makes a really interesting character choice. Um, so when she is on the surface, like in the first half of the song, um, her voice is very sweet. And there's like a little bit of, of like, there's like a, a little hint twinge. There's like a little twinge of like gravel that she throws in every so often. And then once she starts interacting with Hades, there's like what I like to call like a wretch. Like she, she gets very low and she's like, it's, it's not time yet. Um, and I really like that character choice because it, it conveys that like this person who is usually sweet, um, has become embittered from her time in the underworld. And so like the longer she spins down there, the more it like, essentially she has a guttural response to just being in the, the underworld. Like you, you see it, you hear it a lot in um, our lady of the underground where she's, where she's like showing people the stuff in the crack in the wall or whatever. And then um, cause she has her own speakeasy uh, and it's her essentially showing people what they're missing out on, on the surface world through this crack. Um, and there's this moment where it starts really sweet where she's like, look a little closer and then it gets like the wretch again where she's like look a little closer and i think it's a really interesting character choice because it shows how long that she's been dealing with going back and forth between here and the underworld and how sick of it she is um so i i really i i I feel like not a lot of people would have made that choice and i think she does it spectacularly and it does track right i mean it would make a ton of sense that it would make you very very tired yeah. Going back and forth from the underworld mm-hmm. after a lot of time. Yeah. I'd be mad. Because it's, it's, you'd imagine their relationship is what, like decades, centuries long? Um, and he just keeps trying to ply her with stuff. Yeah. And she's not really about that. Nah, she just wants that love. Yeah. You know, she wants that guy who came to her with his hat in his hand. He was like, yo, 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 let's have sex in the garden. Let's get fucking deflowered. <clears throat> you get it. You get I, I, I hey. wish I didn't. <laughs> I, Come on, bro. But I also I love the idea of I, I obviously like when we when we're telling this story, we're getting a, a period of time in their lives where a lot of things are happening of of import. But I I really want the the domestic dramedy about Hades and Persephone's life together in hell, and him <laughs> just really trying to continue to win her love in greater amounts by giving her more and more and more stuff her not having it and him i want him i want hades to be a podcaster and i want <laughs> i want him to his whole show is i'm gonna give my wife things and we're gonna record her reaction let's see what happens i got her a salad spinner let's see what she says <laughs> uh. <laughs> and there you have it's, it folks. It's just it's, that. <laughs> 
there you have it. Uh, tune in next week. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just, um, he doesn't have a sign off. No. And he realized and he froze like a deer in headlights. And he was just like, you know what? Fuck all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Though I, I, I already have a name for the. It's, it's Hades gives these. Um, because it's because Hades <laughs> rise with gives these. All right, Hades I'll give you gives sl- slant rhyme. I guess I'll give it to you. Yes, that's how I do. I'm all about that slant rhyme, baby. I'm like fucking Eminem in this bitch. I'm like fucking Fifty Cent. <laughs> like I don't know, Lil Wayne. <laughs> all of these people do slant rhymes a lot. Rap is full of slant rhymes. It's true. Yes. It's true. Um, uh, oh, one other thing I really liked. Yes. Um, the fates. Um, yes. I liked how, like the um, the director uh, in an interview referred to them as like mean girls, and I I really liked that because it, they are kind of cruel. Um, one could say they are cruel fates. One could say that that they are cruel fates. Ugh. Um. Because <laughs> there's a song, um, I, I think it's Way Down Hades Down, hey, Way Down Hades Town 2, um, where like Eurydice is like, I just signed my life away. And they're like, you done fucked up and it was bad. And then you girl, you've been been had. That's Those aren't the lyrics. Please don't be turned off by the album, by my rendition. Um, That's poetry. <laughs> don't, don't demean yourself. This is beautiful lyrical words. Mm, are they? Are they? Not really. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to be <laughs> polite. Um, uh, no, I just um, the way that they harmonize and the way that uh, I I don't feel like we get cruel or like in what is the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, impartial. Yeah, I don't feel like we get cruel or impartial fates very often. Like the ones in Hercules, the animated show slash movie, um, were more kind. Um, were they? Kinda. They were like, I mean, they were like, hey, Hercules, do some cool stuff. And then were he they? was like, totally. And then eventually they were like, I guess we'll cut his thing now. Um his str- his thread, is not his happened? penis. Um, yes, and then I'm trying to think where else we get the fates. Um, <laughs> By the way, it's a fun bit of trivia was the original's the working title for Disney's Hercules: His Thread, Not His Penis. <laughs> <laughs> and they finished the movie and they sent it to the studio head, and the title doesn't come up till the end of the movie, and they're just sort of like, "This is really great! Like we're gonna make a ton of what the fuck." <laughs> Who did this? <laughs> Get him! <laughs> and, and like uh, the directors at the back of the theater is like, "Oh no!" It's just runs. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> My hubris has ended me. <laughs> we never saw that guy again. No, I don't sad. think he. I don't think he works anymore. Yeah, I think they cut his thread. The movie's really good though. Not his penis. <laughs> No, they didn't. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. <laughs> I have been undone. <laughs> what? Um, what else? Uh, 
I think we get, I don't remember if the three witches in Macbeth are fates. I think they're just witches. Um, but I think in Gargoyles, the three witches were also the three fates. Um, I do not remember Gargoyles very well. Um, well, rewatch it if you can, if you can find it. And if you can find it, send it to me. Yeah. Because um, it was great. Tim Gargis. It was amazing. Um, where else? Guys, if you know where we can find more more versions of the fates, um, whether they were impartial or cruel or nice, um, please let me know. I know we get Istis in, drag, in D, D&D lore, um, who is sometimes nice. Um, you know, it. you know, probably when Disney launches, what is it? Disney Plus, their streaming service. Yeah, Gar- that's maybe we'll find gur- gurgle, cars. Gurgle, cars. That's gurgle, gurgle cars. Gurgle cars. We'll find gurgle cars. <laughs> <laughs> no gargoyles, but I did find this weird knockoff show. I think it's an import. <laughs> They're just like ugly bats. <laughs> yep. Oh man. Yep. Um, do you have any last thoughts about Hades Town? Um, I I dug it a bunch, and like I said before, I am looking forward to both going back and revisiting both versions, but also kind of exploring in greater detail the work of the artist that helped make it. I mean, I already know Bonnie Vare, but like I want to go back and listen to Bonnie Vare some more now because I was yeah. like, hey, Justin Vernon, that's what you sound like. I remember. Hmm. Yeah. I want to get into more uh, Greg Brown. That, like, his Hades voice is so good. It's so deep. Yes. Um, that I just I love it. That, like, it, it has a, like, a Leonard Cohen feel to it. Yes. Yeah. It just, the, the, what is it? The, uh, the song he did for, he did that they used for the opening credits of True Detective Season 2. Oh, yes. Very um, similar sound. Yeah. Never Very mind. similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I, yeah, I highly recommend both following all the people who helped with the concept album. I also recommend if you can, um, if you're in the greater New York area, um, or planning to go there starting in late March, they are doing their broadcast premiere. No, not broadcast premiere, their Broadway premiere. Um, so see it live. I highly recommend it, especially because when you see it live, you get all the songs, um, and you also get the, the experience of, there's like a live band on stage and they like call them out and all that stuff. It's, it seems like a real cool experience. Um, so if you have a chance to do that, please do, um, support Anais Mitchell or Anais, uh, for those who pronounce it differently than I do, uh, support her and support the show because it's so cool. Yeah, and go go listen to the album, right? It's on, I know the live version is on iTunes Music. Yeah. And I know the concept album's on Spotify. I couldn't find the concept album on iTunes. Um, oh, interesting. It, that doesn't mean it's not there, just yeah. I couldn't find it. Right. I know they're, they're both on Spotify, which is how I listen to them. Yeah. Um, so maybe just do Spotify. I mean, you could also buy it on Amazon. You can also um, purchase it... Uh, I forget the other, there's another platform that people can buy it as well. Um, so it's, it's all over the place, baby. You just, you just go on the internet and find it and enjoy it. Tell us what you thought about it. You can do so at missing outcast M I S S I N G O U T C A S T. But if you're like Lex, 
what did what what did you think of um you know Hermes? Then you can hit him up here, and I'd be like, "Why weren't you listening when we <laughs> talked about this? This is one of those if you just paid attention. I'm not giving you the answer, but if you want to talk about something else, talk about something else. Tweet. I'm just being very combative. Yeah, like, nobody's gonna no. tweet me now. Only, like you're a dick. No, only hit him up about Hermes. <laughs> Anything else? And it can also be the the Disney version of Hermes. The the blue or, guy. Or um, it can be about the Egyptian version of Hermes, which is Anubis. Um, or it can be something else. Isn't the uh, post office logo kind of a Hermes thing? I think so. Yeah. So we yeah. talk about the post office. You could, um, but not the postal service. The band. He. I don't know how you feel about that. I don't either. Yeah. So if you if you want to tell me how you feel about <laughs> the postal service, uh, the band, or the institution, uh, at the Lex Michael, awesome Twitter, Instagram. Ooh, you can hit me up. <laughs> you can hit me up at Tari J T A U R I J A Y. Um. <laughs> uh. But yes, uh, and if you would like to hit us up on the Missing Out hotline, you can go to your phone <laughs> and call 978-MISS-OUT. That number again is 978-MISS-OUT. Um, and guys, this this you, you should be listening to this on New Year's or uh, just after New Year's, depending on when you listen to your podcasts. Um, so we hope you had a great 2018 it's it's been a it's been a year it's uh um, it's, it's rough out there yeah but like we also hope you have a great 2019 um it's, you know it's gotta it's gotta get better right yeah it's gotta get better from here i think so you know i think people are more resolute i think people are getting as the kids say woke um so you've got your eyes open uh and you, you gotta move forward you know what I'm saying? Plus, plus, we're getting our second Avengers movie in as many years, so it's not all bad. That's true. There's a lot of good stuff coming out next year. And you know what? Like, 2018 was was uh, pretty awful, but it's actually a really great year for movies. That's true. Too. Yeah. Um, so, guys. If, if that makes you feel better. It should. <laughs> it helps me a little bit. Entertainment's so good. That's why we're here because of entertainment, Badu. We help entertainment, Badu. Yeah, yeah, that's why. Cool. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> From the creators of Gurgle cards. <laughs> um, but yeah, we hope you guys have a wonderful, safe New Year's, um, and we will see you more in 2019. Bye. Did you know a turkey puppet once ran for the presidency of Ireland? Did you know that meat once rained from the skies of Kentucky? Did you know that there was an emperor of the United States for a while? Then listen to the Wikiship Down podcast. We live in an age when the sum total of humanity's knowledge can be found in your pocket on a smartphone at any given time. But when that knowledge is peer editable, like it is on Wikipedia, what does that say about mankind? So follow us down the digital rabbit hole as we drink, joke, and curse our way through the random button on Wikipedia and see where our journey through humanity's knowledge takes us. While you're at it, follow us on all social media at Wikiship Down. I'm Ruthann. I'm Ryan. And be sure to find us every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts.